Today, we dive into leadership linguistics and how to ensure your entire team has a voice at the table. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Sue Reynolds is an expert social media strategist and a certified executive coach with a degree in organizational leadership with over 20 years of corporate and nonprofit leadership experience. As an executive coach, Sue specializes in mentoring and empowering women to overcome internalized gender biases that keep them from reaching their full potential in the workplace. Sue, welcome to Unbound. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am excited uh, to just go deep with you on uh, all of the things we talked about in the pre-interview. And let's start uh, with your origin story. Great. Uh, so yeah, uh, you made me sound really good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you made yourself I, sound uh, good. <laughs> I'm dating myself. Uh, but yes, I, I have a degree in organizational leadership. I went. I was a non-traditional student. I had an associate's degree in uh, in organizational leadership, business administration. Back in the day, uh, after I graduated from high school, I jumped right into the corporate world, and then I went back to school late as a later adult. So my kids were in high school when I went back to school and got my bachelor's and completed the organizational leadership. And at that time, uh, I had I have twins. And they were their boys and they were both in marching band. So I was juggling marching band mom, full-time job with um, Ohio State University at, at their extension office and um, uh, a course load. And um, so that was a, my first challenge. But from there, I, you know, I've been in marketing. I've been in leadership um, mostly my whole career, especially as it relates to technology. And um, so I'm sort of an early adopter with some of these social media apps, because it is my job to focus on new uh, accounts and new platforms and see, you know, I want to, I want to see if they're going to be good for the businesses that I manage in my full-time job. So during COVID, like many of us did, I jumped on TikTok to see what this was all about. I actually had an account when it was Musical.ly. Uh, back when people were really using it for music, singing and dancing and went through that transition where everybody's learning the TikTok dances and stuff. And so uh, I don't dance. Um, I sing, but I don't dance. Can't dance at all. But what I can do is give leadership advice, give leadership coaching. So I started posting this talking head content, which really no one else, very few people were doing on TikTok. Um, just as an experiment, just to see what would happen. And I always tell my team, the audience will teach you what works and then do more of that. Well, boy, howdy, did they? Because I, as I started posting this content on how women hold themselves back by some of the language we use or the, the diminishing language and so forth, it blew up. I had a video back in 2020 with um, more than, well, 300,000 views. I was shocked. So I thought, okay, I'm onto something here. Women are especially responsive to this content. So I started producing more of it. And pretty soon my little Carmine Media business, who which had been a social media management company, morphed into more of uh, leadership and uh, coaching as well. So providing women with leadership, with, with executive coaching, providing courses, providing speaking engagements, being on podcasts. And now three years later, here we are, 
Yeah. And so I, I like to tell people I accidentally became TikTok famous, um, <laughs> which is a really weird experience. There's a lot that goes with that. But here, here we are three years later, and yeah. I'm glad to be on your show. Yeah. Awesome. So <clears throat> I want to start with a sort of two, actually, I guess it would have been yeah, two years ago, uh, inbound HubSpot conference, uh, big one every year. And for this one, the final keynote speaker was President Obama. And so I was excited just to hear someone like as a leadership, you know, uh, nerd. I don't know another way to put it. All right. Being able to see someone who's literally leading the free world and is now able to like just talk and share advice and um, past experiences. I was fascinated. And so as I was listening to him, though, he told a story about basically having all of these like these board members and different people around the table. And he had to deliberately make sure that the women at the table like kind of spoke up because a lot of the guys would just would cut them off and overpower. And something that I've always like, I've always made it a point to make sure everyone gets, you know, is heard at my whenever we're meeting. And so I assumed that at the highest levels of government, that wouldn't be an issue. Yet it still is because there are obviously like gender biases, right? Tied into everything we do. What is it like? It's going to be a super open-ended question for you, but why is that? Like what, what causes this to even be a thing? Yeah. So first of all, that's a great conference. I've been to it myself and I'm jealous that you got to see President Obama. I think it was Condoleezza Rice, who was the keynote speaker when I attended. And that was great too. Uh, but I've read that story. I've heard him talk about that story in the past, how he had to pull those women aside and say, hey, speak up. And yes, you, we still have to do that if, even at the highest levels. My coaching clients are not just getting into leadership. They are already at the VP level, the C-suite even, and they're still getting talked over by men. In fact, I just read a story. I think it was a Georgetown study that said men interrupt women 33% more than they interrupt other men in business settings. So why is that? And it, of course, it's multifaceted and you don't have enough time probably in the show to talk about it. But one of the reasons that we don't speak up is because of the socialization and the gender roles that we're exposed to at such a young age. So girls are taught, you know, be nice, be likable, don't be bossy, don't, don't make waves, don't be in the way, almost like a don't take up space. And boys get different messaging, right? They get be, be in charge, take leadership. Be proud of yourself. Take up space. It's that that training. And we all took those classes. I call them classes. It's socialization. Think about the commercials that we see, the clothing that little girls wear, some of the things that we've seen um, in stores that really are appalling and they've ended up being removed. Um, let, me, let me just give you a real world example. So I'm at a hotel a couple of weeks ago and you know, that crazy breakfast that they have down in the lobby where everybody's fighting over the muffins and the pancake thing and all that. So I'm down in the midst of all this. And here's a little girl, maybe three or four years old. And she bumped into someone, you know, the adults are towering over her. She bumped into someone and she said with her head down, mommy, I'm sorry. And her mother said, sweetheart, you do not have to say you're sorry for that. 
you know, if you, you drop something on the ground, pick it up, it's fine. But she had already gotten the message that she was taking up too much space and was in the way. And I thought, wow, we're, we're still giving that message to little girls. And her mother was trying to combat it, which I, you know, I applaud that. But how that, how does that translate? Well, you get that message your whole life. Now you're sitting in a big board meeting and you're nicely waiting your turn to speak up and you're never going to get a chance because everybody is jumping in. And unless you have someone say to you, speak up, your your message is important, your ideas are are important, you're going to be afraid to because you don't want to come across as overly aggressive or not nice or bossy or all those other things that we heard our whole lives. Right. So... I guess, what are some of the steps that we can take now? I mean, I'm a father of two young daughters, right? I want to make sure they're getting the right message. What are some of the things I can be doing now to help set them up to, to step up, right? And actually and fill some of these leadership roles and not have to worry about some of the other, like the stigma, I guess, that follows all of us. I'm glad you're trying to do that. I appreciate it. We need more women in, in leadership roles. Women make great leaders. Um, encourage her to share her opinion encourage her to speak up, ask her for her opinion, and don't uh, belittle or shame if she's taking up space or leading the group on the playground. Don't tell her she's being too bossy. Um, Make sure that you're applying the same rules through the lens that you would if you had a son, that you would be encouraging your son to develop leadership skills, Just go out there and, and make something of yourself and be successful. The g- little girls used to be conditioned to attract a man, right? Our job was to become um, a wife and stay at home. And I mean, I know that's very much sort of an antiquated thought process, but it's very pervasive and it still exists. So you don't, you want to make sure that you're not setting her up for the fear of speaking up by making sure that she's given opportunity. And same with adult women in the room. If you're leading a meeting, make sure that you're asking the women, what is your opinion, Sue? What do you think about this? Let's give Sue a chance to speak. You know, we haven't heard from Marge yet. What does Marge think? Yeah. So those are, I mean, those are things we're, we're definitely, my wife and I are definitely doing here in the house, uh, my kids don't stop talking. So their opinions are always, (laughs) always out there. Um, the, so let's see, I guess in the workplace, it, it does surprise me still that leaders would bring in team members, right. For their expertise. Like you're making a hire because you want someone's skills and their knowledge coming, being at the table, having a voice. And yet we still see that they're favoring certain opinions over others. And I'm sure some of this is probably, or actually, in your experience, or even with some of the stats you can probably produce, uh, um, my assumption is that women are better at ensuring women's voices are being heard as well as men's versus men's kind of pointing some people out. And I don't know if that's so much as within culture, we tend to gravitate towards people like us. And it may be because women are more aware of that. They're not doing, I don't know, I'm spitballing here, but could you speak more on that? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. There is an affinity bias. We tend to be 
see leaders in people who are like us, right? People who look like us, who went to similar schools, similar backgrounds. We all have that affinity bias. So we're going to feel more comfortable around people who are like us. We all feel that way. So you have to be aware that that exists and make sure that you're not falling victim to it yourself. That being said, there is such thing as, for women, an assertive backlash. It's, it's a double bind. So when we are assertive, there's a backlash because we're acting outside of what would be considered the normal, normal gender role. And women are not immune to showing that backlash against other women because we took that class too. We got those messages too. What are you doing being bossy? Who do you think you are speaking up like that? especially if we feel like we can't or we're ashamed to or afraid to. So it's not just men that put these rules on women. Other women can put these rules on each other too, which is unfortunate, but we don't realize that we've internalized this bias. Um, so it's more, it's, it's more pervasive than, than I think we realize. Um, and making sure that you're aware of it is the first step to overcoming it. Right. So one mm -hmm. of the things I'm, I'm slowly teaching this skill to my, my daughters, generally, if someone else has a different opinion than you, if you just say, Hey, no, you're wrong. They shut down, right? They're not going to listen to you. They don't want to hear it. But if you can tell them a story where they come to that conclusion themselves and stuff, now they're, they realize it and they want to say incongruence with whatever thought they're having. And so they end up siding with you kind of unintentionally. And, uh, but then they realize it and they're good. And I wonder how much that skill here would actually help with just being able to tell the stories that come, have people come to that conclusion that like, oh, I am wrong here. I like, <laughs> and then they potentially fix the behavior. Yeah. yeah, I like that. So let me give you an example of where this gender bias or this sort of affinity bias might come into play. Um, let's say you have two candidates that are interviewing for a leadership role. One is male, one is female. They both have equal credentials, equal experience, so forth. They're both equally qualified. Here's how that could play out with these gender biases layered on top. So you say about the man, wow, he's got great potential. You say about the woman, man, she comes on really strong. I don't know how she's going to fit into the culture. You say about the man, um, I really like his approach to this. He seems like he's going to be a really strong leader. You say about the woman, I don't know. She may, she may rub people the wrong way that this might not be a good culture fit for us. And really they're exhibiting the same behaviors. Right. And it's just because you have that, that bias yes. set. So you have to watch for that and be willing to call each other out. And one way to do that, to your point, is to use the Socratic method, like you, like you, or tell a story. So um, Chris Voss's book, which is called Never Split the Difference. I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Voss's work. He was an FBI hostage negotiator. And that book taught me a lot about negotiation uh, using the Socratic method. So say, you know, you're saying, she comes on really strong. I don't think she's going to be a good culture fit. She comes on strong. She's not a good culture fit. What do you mean by that? Show, t tell me some examples. Asking for specific evidence to support that feeling or opinion rather than just saying you're wrong and, and getting into a fight over ideology, but digging in and seeing why do you think that? What's making you feel that way? 
Right. That's a good approach. Yeah. I like that one too. Um, let's get into diminishers and, uh, and just what are they and why should we avoid them? Oh, I'm chuckling at that because so many of us, and it's not just women that do this, men do it too, but we are so bad sometimes at promoting ourselves because we've been taught not to. So here's how that plays out in, say, a communication. You're writing an email. So you need to ask your boss who perhaps hasn't responded to you. I'm giving you just a hypothetical situation. And you need this information by Friday in order to give a report that's due on Friday. Boss hasn't responded. I'm, let's say, Chris, you're my boss. I'm, and, and if I'm a diminisher, I'm going to email you something like this. Um, the subject line is going to say our project. Okay. And I'm going to say, hey, Chris, I'm just circling back to see if maybe you had time to look over the project requirements that I sent you last week. I know you're really busy. And so if maybe you could get back to me before Friday, it would be really great because this is due on Friday. Right. I've definitely, See all the diminishers there? Yeah. I just thought maybe I was hoping that um, instead you should put in the subject line, project due Friday, need your review. And then you say, Chris, our project is due on Friday. What's keeping you from responding? Or do you need anything else from me to have to get these materials in by Friday? Really looking forward to your response. Um, do you need anything, you know, do you need anything else from me? Very, none of the apologies, none of the, I just thought maybes, uh, get rid of those, especially the word just. Whenever you use the word just, you just canceled out, like I just did, what you said before it. It diminishes what you said before it. I was, I'm just checking in. That means nothing now. So working on being conscious of that language choice and working to eliminate it. When you do it in an email, you can go back and read it. But getting used to removing those diminishers. Um, I'm sorry to bother you, Chris, but I really need this by Friday. Uh, those kinds of things are really hampering our success if we use them regularly. We're not being successful in our jobs because those language choices are preventing us from succeeding in getting what we need from the other person. Mm -hmm. I'm sure They're that, not clear. Right. I'm sure that works too on the, on the receiving of praise end. I feel like there's probably a lot of times where women will kind of pass that parade like, oh, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. It was oh. not, it was nothing. It's like, really? Like, no, it was actually yeah. pretty great. Like, <laughs> uh, right. do, do you find that's well, the same? So right. Um, I call that the old, this old thing. I've had it for years when somebody says, oh, I really like your outfit. You know, the old, oh, this old thing. I've had it for years. Exactly. What you're doing when you do that is you're dis you're brushing off a compliment that someone else gave you. You're discounting something that someone else said, which is actually kind of rude. It's much better to say, thank you. I appreciate that. I, or I, my favorite, thank you. I appreciate you for saying that. Um, and then if you're, if you're uncomfortable, give, give the other person a compliment. I really like your presentation this afternoon. Um, turn the tables on and ask them about themselves, but don't brush off compliments and praise. Yeah. yeah that's, I read that in a book and I wish I remembered which one right now so I could credit the author. Uh, but I started paying attention to that with other people and then even with myself. And it was, it's hard to, to accept praise a lot 
Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely notice it more on the the female side for them not accepting it, but it would, it became like a practice of mine to like, no, 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 you're good. Like accept it, deal with it. I'm, I'm giving you this praise. You're, you're stuck with it. Um, and then it was like, different. <laughs> like oh, okay. Like, um, That's a terrific insight. It is something that we need to work on accepting compliments, accepting praise. Um, again, don't diminish those things. In fact, I recommend to my clients that they keep what I call an awesome file. So when someone does praise you, especially via email or something, drag that into your awesome file and keep those moments of praise. That way, when you have to do your self-evaluation next year, you have some of those testimonials from your stakeholders or other clients that you've worked with or customers. Um, and you don't have to go through and try to dig them all up. But it's also kind of nice to see that you have made an impact and that you are being praised and that you deserve it. Yeah, that was something. So when I was in the army, uh, this was uh, something that came from way well before the digital age, but everyone had a binder of all of their awards or promotions or their everything. And they called it the, I love me book. And you kept track (laughs) of this because if the army lost all your paperwork, you wanted a copy of it, but it was also something nice after, you know, when you retire or get out, you can flip through and see all of these different awards and things you've done. And uh, it's like, I, did that. Like I have a notion file now that I use for anytime I get a good review, slap it in there. Uh, but you're right. It does. It makes you feel good. Even just going back and you like, Oh yeah, I did do all these things. Like I earned that acknowledgement. Like it feels good. Yes. Um, so, but let's shift back now. <laughs> um, what are some of the, the typical behaviors, I guess, in your experience that, that do hold women back? And we've talked about like diminishers within like emails and Maybe even accepting praise and stuff. But what are some of the other things that they could be more aware of? Yeah, those are all great things to start on. So removing the word just from your communications, uh, being more clear, uh, being more clear about what it is you're asking for. Sometimes we're trying to dance around it so we don't seem aggressive when really we need to be assertive. I always say clear is kind. Tell the person what you need so they don't have to put on a secret decoder ring and try to guess or figure it out in your email. Very often, fewer words is better when it comes to getting your job done. And remember, your company is paying you to get this job done. And you know your likability, well, of course, that's a factor. And you do want people to respect and like you, you can't do it at the expense of success with your job. You have to, you owe them the deliverables that you've agreed on. And that's a transaction that you are responsible for. So you have to own leadership of yourself in the way that you communicate so that you're doing that successfully. Um, You also have to show your work. A lot of women will put their head down and work very hard and, and not brag about it. I'm using brag in air quotes because it's not bragging when you show your work, but many women think that it is. So they'll work overtime. They'll work during their lunch and no one knows it. And then guess what? When it's time for promotion, the people who are working hard and are visible and their work is visible, they're the ones that are considered. And the women who work hard, but don't tell anyone And don't tell anyone their goals. Don't tell anyone, hey, someday I'd like to be a partner in this organization. They never say that. They just assume people know it. Those are all ways in which we hold ourselves back from succeeding. And 
there's a lot of monetary loss associated with that too. If you're not getting the salary bumps, because no one knows the work that you're doing because you're hiding it, trying to be humble. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. Uh, But I mean, on expectation management, I think that's, that is one of the biggest reasons that people will fail in business. It's just whether it's with their team, whether it's with, you know, the, their boss, if they're, you know, coming from that side, their clients, it's just amazing how much just paying attention to the, the expectations you're setting can help you. Um, but something else with showing your work, I actually saw a, I want to say it was on Instagram the other day, but it was a post by, by a woman who was saying at, she would show up to do some of these big presentations for like boards and everything. And she found the best approach was to do all of the work, have it all in the slide deck, but then start at the very end of the deck and make sure they know you're on like the last slide where she's hitting like, this is my conclusion. This is what we need to do. And then whenever someone asks a question, she can flip through everything that she has done in preparation for this. And she's done so much work, but it, she's able to show the work within that slide deck. And by the sheer volume of slides, everybody knows, hey, she has put in her, her work here. And so it, it kind of got rid of some of those, those thoughts of like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. It's like, no, she mm. came prepared. Um, and so I don't, yeah. I mean, for whatever that's worth, I think it could be a helpful exercise too. Absolutely. You know, we think we're going to put our head down and work really hard and magically someone's going to notice and reward you for it. And it doesn't work like that. You have to, you have to, with intent, show that you are working and toot your own horn once in a while. Of course, of course, compliment your team. Of course, give credit where credit is due and give credit to the larger organization and the team members that contributed, but also take some of the credit for what you did yourself. Right. Well, no, actually, I, I tell my team to like bring all of the things that, that you've done great you know, over this rating period, bring it in so that we can look at it. And one of my designers brought in every website that she had worked on over that period of time. And she was like on fire. Like, I mean, it was it is impossible to get a bad review when you're able, like when she was showing all of that work, it was, it was awesome. Um, but let's, I got another, probably one of the last questions, I guess. Um, how can women kind of advocate for themselves more, uh, especially when they're, they're starting to feel kind of invisible, like they're not, you know, making, making waves, I guess at, at work and actually doing the things that are get people notice, how can they start to actually build that up? So they, they are. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, it's multifaceted. You have to, first of all, get comfortable being uncomfortable because it does feel uncomfortable to do some of these things. To send that email to your boss and say, hey, I wanted to loop you in on this, uh, this success, these wins that my team just had. Or get, you know, I just did XYZ and I wanted you to be aware. Making sure that your boss has visibility to your work I even recommend ask your, ask your boss, how much visibility do you want or need? Um, I've done that and found out that they want or need a whole lot more than I thought. I thought, oh, they probably get so many emails. I don't want to bother them with more emails or more meeting requests. The, it was actually the opposite. They wanted to be CC'd on communications that I was having with, with clients, customers, other managers, and they wanted to be invited to my meetings, even if they don't come. They want to know that they're on the calendar and that they're happening. So what visibility do you need that you currently don't have with your immediate supervisor and also others in the organization that you could easily fix by asking them, how can I best communicate my work to you? 
so that you have, and I'm not talking about bragging or, you know, them getting all up in your business and, and managing you. I'm talking about visibility. That's the key word. You need to be visible and you need to speak up in those meetings. And one way to do that is, and I didn't mention this before, I'm going to, well, I have some funny, like I have these mugs that I bring opinion loading or uh, this one here, especially, you know, when you, when you're afraid to ask for, uh, I'm going to say my opinion or hello, I have an idea. You can warn people by saying, I'm going to express my opinion right now, or I have a thought on this right now. And then they'll go, oh, okay, Sue's about to talk. But if you wait and just jump in with your opinion or you might get talked over, you might get interrupted by someone, um, little tactics like that that let people know, I'm about to say something important. Please listen. Those are all things that you can do tact that are tactics to help you become more visible and more heard. Right. And then I guess flipping that a bit as the leader, asking for those opinions like in front of making a point, um, something we've done in meetings is asking a question and then saying, or like when someone starts answering, like, hold up, introverts first. And then, and then they kind of, oh, I like the that. extroverts yeah. kind of like, it's a, you know, joking, like everyone takes it, uh, or nobody's taking offense to it, but then the introverts are like, okay, I'm, I'm on the spot. It's my turn to talk. And they, uh, they usually do. They say something great. And it's like, all right, I'm glad we got that in here. Cause now it's part of the conversation. I like that. Yeah. Or let's say, Chris, you're dominating the conversation and I'm running the meeting. I might say, Chris, you've had some really great ideas. Let's hear from Marge now. Let Marge, what do you think? Let, you, know, you, you have to be good at leading the meeting and give other people, especially other women, if they're sitting there literally not trying not to take up space, give them an opportunity to take up some space and answer some questions. Yeah. And it's, it's important. If you're going to attend a meeting you should probably contribute to the meeting, right? There, uh, make it make it a point to. A lot of people don't. Yeah, if you're going to be there, let's do something with it. Make it make it happen. Make it important yeah. for or valuable for your time and for the company's time. And and leaders, please make sure you're not always nominating a woman to take the notes. Um, that keeps them from participating because now their focus is trying to capture what everyone else is saying. Make sure that you rotate those housekeeping tasks, those what, what we call non-promotable tasks around the team equally so that it's not always defaulted to a female to take the notes. Um, that, that sometimes can also hold women back because now they're not participating. Right. Yeah. You can only be doing one thing at a time. So exactly. Um, man, all great points. Sue, this has been awesome conversation. I got three more questions. I'm going to send your way here. Uh, okay. With the first one being, what book do you recommend everyone should read? Um, am I allowed to say my book? <laughs> you can, but I'm going to ask you for another one after. Okay. Well, I did write a book on leadership linguistics because little tactics like these um, that are clear without a lot of fluff or storytelling, my book, Leadership Linguistics, contains a lot of these things. So removing just using and instead of but or when to use the different things. So that's one book. Um, if you're specifically talking about women and the ways in which they hold themselves back, How Women Rise is a terrific book to really speak to all of the, all of the things and more that we've talked about today. Um, I recommend that to a lot of my clients. It's a terrific book. It's written by two psychologists. 
and they've studied for years in the ways in which women hold themselves back in the workplace. And it's very simple, tactical things that you can change. Awesome. All right. Now I got two books to pick up. <laughs> so what next question, what is next for you professionally? Um, I would like to do more speaking engagements. I really enjoy those. I've been ramping up my presence on LinkedIn and my website to try to get more like hour long seminars, speaking engagements um, about these topics, because I'm finding that it really resonates with especially women's groups, um, women who work in male dominated industries. So say construction or, you know, uh, architecture, engineering firms, IT. Um, I'm finding these these are really resonating with those folks. So that's sort of that's on my radar to do. I'm already doing quite a bit of speaking, but I love to speak at at groups or to be the keynote. So that's definitely something that I would m love to do more of. Awesome. Uh, and then finally, where can people find you? Oh, absolutely. My website is carminemedia.com. And like we've talked about, I am suddenly TikTok famous and all of a sudden Facebook famous too. When Reels came out, I started publishing these exact same videos and my Facebook page blew up. So Carmine Media <coughs> on TikTok, on uh, Instagram. And of course, my website. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, we're going to have to take a note on how you're doing videos so that we can, uh, we can do some short form content and everyone can blow up. <laughs> I'd but, love to help you. Awesome. Sue, thank you for joining me. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Wonderful talking to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.